0: U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken wants all members of the United Nations to include Taiwan in U.N. activities. In a press statement, he urged U.N. members to back Taiwan's robust and meaningful participation. The statement was released Tuesday, marking the 50th anniversary of Resolution 2758, which stripped Taiwan of U.N. membership back in 1971. In response to the statement, Beijing has reiterated that Taiwan is a part of China and that the PRC is the sole legal representative of China in the UN. Experts say Blinken's statement is yet another test of China's bottom line ahead of a U.S.-China summit that is expected to be held before the end of the year.
1: State Anthony Blinken urged countries to back the island's participation in the United Nations, something that Beijing has objected to. CNN reports on the U.S. State Secretary's call of support for Taiwan's participation in the UN system. In a press statement, Anthony Blinken called Taiwan a democratic success story with a model that supports transparency, respect for human rights, and the rule of law. He added that the U.S. is among many UN member states that view Taiwan as a valued partner. He said that Taiwan's meaningful participation in the UN system is not a political issue but a pragmatic one.
2: To contribute its valuable expertise uh, to address many of the global challenges we face. Uh, That includes global public health, the environment, climate change, uh, development assistance, technical standards uh, and economic uh, cooperation as well. Taiwan is a part of China, and the People's Republic of China is the only legitimate government of China. Taiwan has no right to join the United Nations. Democratic Progressive Party authorities have deceived the people of the island. Their participation is absolutely impossible.
1: Beijing condemned Blinken's statement, saying that Taiwan's participation in the UN would be a violation of China's One China principle. It also directed strong words at Washington. We have the
0: We urge
2: the relevant U.S. officials to abide by the U.S.'s policy of not supporting Taiwan independence, the one-China principle, and the three Sino-U.S. joint communiqués, stop making irresponsible remarks, and refrain from sending wrong signals to the Taiwan independence forces. Besides that oral response, we have not seen them take any drastic actions. The US is of course continuously testing China to see if they can push on the bottom line and help Taiwan be able to once again make substantial contributions to the international community. Some concrete actions that we can look out for is whether the US will make a proposal in the UN to support Taiwan's participation in other organizations within the UN system.
1: Experts say China will only ramp up its pressure on Taiwan in the future. Eyes are also on the year-end virtual summit between U.S. President Joe Biden and Chinese leader Xi Jinping, which could spark more changes to Taiwan-U.S.-China relations.
0: Seven Chinese aircraft entered Taiwan's air defense identification zone on Tuesday, including two helicopters for the first time. One Mi-17 cargo helicopter and a WZ-10 attack helicopter were identified in the PLA fleet. Scholars say that helicopters give greater flexibility in combat, so Taiwan needs to adjust its air defense strategies accordingly.
2: Later on, they might conduct air landings, airborne operations, port assaults, direct plane landings at airports, seizures of ports. They may capture our important ports and send their troops in. They don't need to go through our yellow zone or red zone beaches. In the face of these new projection capabilities of the PLA, preparing the right air defense is very important. We need to be able to quickly offset the tactical flexibility and quantitative advantage of Chinese helicopters.
0: The Mi-17 is a transport helicopter with a maximum range of 500 kilometers. It can carry up to 40 soldiers or four tons of materials at a time. The other helicopter, the WZ-10, is China's primary attack helicopter. Taiwan received a sixth vaccine donation from Japan Wednesday morning, which contained 300,000 doses of AstraZeneca. Japan has now given Taiwan more than 4.2 million doses in total, the most of any country. So far, nearly 70 percent of Taiwan's population has received one dose of COVID vaccine. Second dose coverage is at nearly 30 percent.
2: Today was the last day of phase one in the 12th round of vaccinations, which offered first doses of Pfizer and second doses of Moderna and AstraZeneca. Over in Taichung, city mayor Lu Yen inspected a vaccination site where many older adults were receiving the shots. <laughs>
1: (laughs) The 12th round of vaccinations is the largest round so far for Taichung. We have administered almost 550,000 doses. To avoid mishaps and ensure safe injections, we used a strategy of one vaccine brand per time slot per venue. This way, we've been able to prevent instances of erroneous injections.
2: At 9:49 Wednesday morning, a sixth donation of AstraZeneca vaccines from Japan arrived in Taiwan, containing about 300,000 doses. On social media, Taiwan's representative to Japan, Frank Shi, posted a picture of the cargo plane before takeoff. He wrote, "Although it's the sixth donation already, my feelings are just as they were at the very beginning. I feel deep gratitude for Japan's friendship and assistance." As of Thursday, Taiwan has received 26.52 million vaccine doses. That's 12.42 million doses of AstraZeneca, 6.24 million doses of Moderna, 5.92 million doses of Pfizer, and 2.23 million doses of Medigen. Single-dose coverage is quickly approaching 70 percent.
1: Overall, single-dose coverage is 69.49 percent, and second-dose coverage is 29.6 percent. Our targets of 70 percent with one shot and 30 percent with two should be met tomorrow.
2: The health minister said Taiwan will lift border restrictions once a predetermined vaccination rate is met. The rate will be determined by the central government and experts in the weeks ahead.
0: The World Health Organization has decided to include Taiwan's domestically produced Medigen in its global Phase 3 trials. The homegrown COVID vaccine was one of two candidates chosen out of 20. Trials will be operated by the health ministries of the Philippines, Colombia, and Mali. Let's hear from Medigen CEO Charles Chen.
2: These will be multinational phase three trials led by the WHO. The Solidarity trial vaccines were chosen by an independent vaccine prioritization advisory group that recommended the vaccines with the greatest potential. The cost of running the clinical trials is sponsored by the WHO. The vaccine manufacturer provides the vaccines, so this getting chosen for the trials is a considerable achievement. Medigen has a very good chance of getting approved by the WHO.
0: The health minister said it's clear the WHO believes in the potential of Taiwan's vaccine. He said that following the conclusion of the trials, Medigen has a good shot at international authorization. TSMC founder Morris Chang took aim at Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger on Tuesday, calling him quote, very discourteous. At a Taipei Tech forum, Chang shared his mixed reaction to an encounter with Gelsinger from five years ago. He also weighed in on Washington's plan to create a complete semiconductor supply chain, saying that it would be expensive and perhaps impossible.
1: TSMC founder Morris Cheng and his wife Sophie Cheng enter the venue Hand in Hand. The occasion is the 20th anniversary of the Monte Jade Science and Technology Association of Taiwan. Cheng gave a talk on growth as a business leader. For the first time, he spoke about the business strategy that he set for TSMC more than 23 years ago.
2: It's been more than 20 years, so now I can make it public. Back then, it was a company secret.
1: Cheng revealed the goals he set for TSMC 23 years earlier. He intended for TSMC to gain a market edge through technical quality, reliability, and marketing. Over the years, the only goal not met has been offering low prices. At the forum, Cheng also spoke about his interactions with Pat Gelsinger, CEO of Intel.
2: So, I've met every one of Intel's CEOs, including that fellow. Five years ago, that fellow was already a bit cocky. Today, he is very discourteous toward TSMC. I deal with him the way he deals with us.
1: Cheng revealed that five years ago, Gelsinger was CEO of a company called VMware and had visited him in Taiwan. Cheng said Gelsinger had impressed him in the short space of 15 minutes.
2: Ask him, what is because i VMware really I I asked him what kind of company VMware was, because I really didn't know. In just 15 minutes, he told me and explained VMware to me. He explained it very well. I thought, this fellow is talented. Ching
1: (laughs) said Intel should not be underestimated, but he said the U.S. will have a hard time building its domestic supply chain for semiconductors.
2: not going to be possible to turn back the clock. And uh, if we want to re-establish a... Complete
0: supply chain, semiconductor supply chain in the United States, you will not find that to be a possible task.
2: That has been the case up until now, and even more so now. That is to say, everyone wants TSMC. Will the shortages end soon? I think they'll eventually be resolved in the end, but I don't know when that will be.
1: Speaking at a TSMC sports day two years ago, Cheng predicted that the company would gain global geostrategic importance. Now retired, Cheng is as confident as ever that the firm he founded will continue to be the bulwark of Taiwan's economy.
0: Zhanghua County has announced a campaign to become Taiwan's seventh special municipality. With a population of more than 1.25 million, Zhanghua County meets the criterion for the upgrade, which would come with an upgrade in funding from the central government. On Wednesday, local councillors and Zhanghua's legislators gathered in Taipei to promote the bid, which will have to be approved by the Executive Yuan.
2: Pan Blue and Pan Green lawmakers form a neat rank, joined by local councillors who made the trip from Zhanghua to Taipei. They're all here at the Legislative Yuan to get behind the campaign to make Zhanghua the seventh special municipality.
1: Zhanghua County actually has the largest population outside the six special municipalities. From a cultural perspective, it fits the criteria for becoming a special municipality. As someone who has served as Zhanghua County Commissioner, I know that Zhanghua is highly qualified to become a special municipality. (laughs) very unique. Zhanghua has a very distinct historical and cultural background. The county was founded some 300 years ago, and its traditional industries are extremely important to central Taiwan. It's my hope that the Executive Yuan will not overlook Zhanghua County when assessing upgrades to administrative districts, because we would qualify without any legal amendments and without wasted costs.
2: With its 1.28 million people, Jianghua already meets the population criterion for an upgrade, which is 1.25 million. Of all the cities and counties, Jianghua is the only one that qualifies based on current laws. With buzz building over administrative upgrades, many local officials are looking to join the bandwagon. On Tuesday, legislator Chen Mingwen urged his constituency of Jiayi to seek an upgrade of its own. We are the
1: what we advocate for is a comprehensive review. There should be national level planning for the administrative districts. We might even go so far as to say, all districts should be made the same. There shouldn't be any second tier local governments or third tier local governments. With regard to the petition for upgrading the both city and county are set to be assessed at the same time. We should ensure that our petition is assessed at the same time as theirs. Whether it's merging and upgrading Xenzhou City and Xenzhou County, or merging and upgrading Yunling, Jiai City and Jiai County, or upgrading Jilong, these are all proposals that can be discussed. Actually, the most qualified of the bunch is Jianghua, because it can be upgraded directly without legal amendments.
2: Jianghua officials called for an upgrade, saying that the Executive Yuan had no grounds for refusing a restructuring. Over in Zhanghua, local councillors have launched a petition for the upgrade in 26 villages and townships. They've called on the county government to draw up a restructuring plan to submit to the Executive Yuan.
0: The three-day Taiwan Expo in India opened online on Wednesday. 90 Taiwanese vendors are attending the virtual event, which aims to reach the Indian market despite the pandemic. On display are Taiwanese innovations, including AI systems for cars, smart industrialization, and zero-touch technologies. Visitors can stroll the virtual trade floor and click to join webinars and networking events. There's a special area for Indian talent considering a move to Taiwan through the Employment Gold Card program. The Expo's organizer, the Taiwan External Trade Development Council, expects the event to generate 300 million U.S. dollars in business opportunities. The Tourism Bureau has launched the 6th Taiwan Indigenous Tourism Festival to allow people to have a better understanding of indigenous culture. This year's event will take place at Taipei's Huashan 1914 Creative Park from October 29th to 31st. For most the news, reporter Stephanie Yang gives us a preview. <music>
3: Crowds gather to witness the beautiful daybreak at Ali Alishan, famous for its sunrise over a sea of clouds. But did you know that the mountain is part of the territory of the Zhou indigenous group? The Tourism Bureau is hoping to get people to better understand indigenous culture and history through the 2021 Taiwan Indigenous Tourism Festival at Huashan 1914 Creative Park. The festival will showcase the cultures of the 16 officially recognized indigenous groups in Taiwan. There will be performances, travel package deals, DIY workshops, as well as indigenous cuisine and artworks.
2: Alisha National Scenic Area is well known for its ties with the Tso indigenous group. The area is home to nine Tso communities. We will hold indigenous anniversary celebrations in November and December. These are characteristic products developed by the communities. For example, speaking of the Pengu group, they have a legend about wild boars, so many of the stone and wood carvings feature wild boars.
3: The government has launched subsidies to boost and revive domestic tourism. Taiwan Tourism Bureau Deputy Director Trust Lin says he envisions a new trend in tourism in the post-pandemic world.
2: The trends for post-pandemic travel are smaller crowds, outdoors, and close to the mountains and ocean. This is the so-called healing tourism. Indigenous tourism is characterized by smaller crowds, visiting indigenous communities in the mountains and the coast. Indigenous tourism is actually very suitable for travel in the new post-pandemic normal. People can also travel to indigenous communities and gain a deeper understanding of Taiwan. Quintuple stimulus vouchers, travel vouchers, and other vouchers can also be used when visiting indigenous communities. People can learn more about these itineraries and get additional discounts at the Taiwan Indigenous Tourism Festival.
3: Organizers hope to promote tourism and preserve indigenous culture in the post-pandemic worlds. For Most of you News, Stephanie Yang, Huang Pengyu in Taipei.
0: A Hualien hotel has launched a series of wild food banquets, letting guests enjoy five-star service in the great outdoors. Chef Ling Zhixiong is a Hualien native and a lover of local produce. The first stop on his culinary pilgrimage is Siro Village, where diners can enjoy a meal with indigenous flavors in the middle of a rice field.
4: Indigenous youth dance for their visitors and pull volunteers in to join the fun. Then the village elders lead the group in making an offering to the ancestors in a taste of the traditional culture. In the multicultural village of Serro in Uli Township, Hualien, indigenous people live alongside neighbors who are Minanese, Hakka, or more recent immigrants from China. The cultural atmosphere here, the fusion of
2: ethnicities, it's 50% indigenous, 30% Hakka, and 20% Minanese.
4: Locally grown rice, arrowroot, and king tol are not to be missed. This chef from a Hualien restaurant is also a native of the county. The village is where he starts off his culinary pilgrimage, using local ingredients to produce this five-star wild garden banquet. Guests dine in the paddy fields, enjoying oak cuisine grown where they sit. We have salted pig from Hakka producers, which we've roasted on a high flame, along
2: with a soup brewed with local King Here on site, we use wild herbs from indigenous people as well as indigenous beetle leaf. We place red-hot stones inside in the indigenous stone
4: cooking method. Chef Lin Zhishong explains that apart from the unique culture and cuisine of Siro, he appreciates it as the first spot in a walking pilgrimage made by the late documentary maker, legend Ji Bo Lin. The next stop on a chef's wild food tour will be not on a mountain, but by the sea. I have a fishing boat myself.
2: We've talked with a local fishing boat captain in Hualien to see if we can bring our guests on the
4: water. It might be catching fish or spanner crabs to enjoy the Pacific Ocean we have in Hualien. Hualien's natural wonders are astonishing. And for foodies, there's just as much to enjoy as any nature lover. A wild banquet is one way to indulge in both at the same time.
0: Over the course of the pandemic, doctors have seen a rise in health problems related to poor posture. Lots of us spend more time than ever on digital devices. We spoke to an electronics expert who knows the issues intimately as a hazard of his job. And we got some practical advice from a physical therapist on how you can give your spine a much-needed rest.
4: Liao has to spend time catching up on the latest tech news every day. Over time, with incorrect posture, his neck and shoulders have started to suffer.
2: You can adjust it so the screen is at a height that suits you. Personally, I want it to be
4: just below my eye line. Liao has a range of desk equipment, like this adjustable frame, so he can keep the screen at his eye level, saving him from crouching. He even uses a desk that can rise up and float down, so he doesn't need to stoop. With this phone holder, you can watch endless TV while keeping your back straight and sitting further away.
2: It seems quite normal that you can get neck and back pain after a while, and mouse hand or frozen shoulder. These items are aids that make it easier for you, I think. With the adjustable height desk, I
4: can work in a different position, including standing, which I think is another solution. At the orthopedics department in Cathay General Hospital, they noticed a 20% increase in spinal disc problems during the pandemic, due to people spending long periods in awkward positions. Patients are getting younger too. This physical therapist has some advice. I recommend
2: putting a rolled up towel or a backrest by the small of your back. When the lower back has an appropriate
4: curve, lean backward, then look forward, and move your head back like this, back and forward. Tips for this exercise are, keep your shoulders still, and don't over-retract your neck. Let your vertebrae stretch naturally. And here's an exercise for a stooped back.
2: Put your hands on your neck
4: here, link them together, lean back like this, relax your head. You'll feel the vertebrae in your upper back extending. This therapist also recommended putting a small cushion behind your back on your desk chair so your spine straightens. If you think you've slipped a disc, take it to a doctor. Serious disc problems can put pressure on nerves and even lead to muscle wastage. Paying care and attention to your body and its messages is always worth the investment.